Wow, good morning, church. How's everyone today? I think uh, some people started the Super Bowl earlier. Did I miss something? Uh, you can go ahead and queue up that first slide for me, if you would, please. Um, at the beginning of the year, I always take stock of the past year that I've been through and, and asking the Lord uh, to give me uh, a sense of where I need to be going in the coming year. And something that the Lord gave me was that the girls uh, at our shelter um, were often inhibited, held back from accomplishing God's purposes in their lives because of fear. And I was meditating on that and thinking about that, and lo and behold, I come in on Sunday morning, and what does Edward talk about but fear? And it, it was an awesome uh, confirmation for me that this is something not only involving um, teenage girls, but it often involves all of us. And um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some things that, that I think the Lord wants to teach us about that. So I want to ask you, first of all, to just take a moment and think, what, what are you afraid of? What fears do you have? Is there perhaps um, a health issue and you have fear of, of health problems? Is there perhaps, um, are there financial issues and perhaps you're worried about how you're going to make your next payment on your house or for your rent or, you know, are you afraid that uh, of something in a relationship going wrong? Are you afraid of something at work that uh, appears to be um, more than you can handle. Perhaps there's even a fear of dying. There's so many things that we can have fears of. And as I think about uh, what fear does, it generally tends to literally paralyze us. It generally tends to ruin our faith, to ruin our strength, to ruin our witness, and to ruin our power. And so as I was, as I was thinking about faith, I, I, the Lord showed me some verses, and I just want to go through them with you a little bit this morning. In Matthew 8, Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and we have a, a, a little series of events here. Jesus uh, feels he's tired. And there's this crush of people around him. And he's directed the disciples, get the boat ready. We need to go across the lake. And so, you know, everything is in ready. And it says, then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. And then another disciple said, to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Moving on to verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. 
And they went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, the first thing that I notice about this passage is that there are two people that are thinking, hmm, Jesus is getting ready to leave. Jesus, wherever, you want, wherever you're going, I think I want to follow you. I'm, I'm, I'm interested here. I'm curious. Um, and so the first one that he talks about is a teacher of the law, somebody who knows all about God, somebody who teaches people about God. And he says, I'll follow you wherever you will go. And Jesus' response to him is basically, if you follow me, you're going to live in poverty. Well, we notice the man didn't get in the boat. Then the second man comes up to him. And he says, first, let me go bury my father. It's like, first, let me go to the Super Bowl. When I get done with the Super Bowl, I'll come back, Jesus. And Jesus basically says to him, you need to decide what your priorities are in your life. Are they following me or are they the things of this world? And so often, those are issues that bother each one of us. Even when we believe that we have accepted Jesus, even when we believe that we're following him, we find ourselves distracted. We think about comfort. We think about all the things of this world that provide security, and even our own abilities. And we decide that, you know, maybe, I, maybe it's better if I figure this one out. Maybe if it's better if I sit this one out, Jesus. I don't think I want to get in the boat with you this time, maybe another time. But right now, it's probably better if I sit this one out and just kind of follow through with where I think I need to go. And that's an interesting thing because if you don't get in the boat, you're never going to see the power that Jesus has. You're never going to see what is available for you because you're relying upon your own resources. And we know that the end of that is death. Now, his disciples have already passed that test. They're going to stick with him. And nothing is going to keep them away. But where is Jesus going? And the question for each one of us is always, will we get into the boat with him? It's clear that it requires a decision to put him first. And that it's going to require sacrificing our own priorities. The priority is no longer wealth or self-determination or traditions or customs. It is a willingness even to go into potential poverty, in situations of self-sacrifice, in situations of storm. We, when we get into the boat, we should not think that life will suddenly be easy. When we're in the boat, we're in a place where we must learn about our Lord, where our faith and our trust must grow, where we learn to place our lives in his hands. So we say it's a simple decision to accept Jesus as Lord. 
But is it really? I don't think so. Because there's much more than just words. There's a decision to actually place him first. There's a decision that we will get into the boat with him, which implies that he's going to tell us where we're going. It implies that he has a direction for us. It implies that we may go through storms. And that we're going to learn in the midst of all of that process how to trust with him. Of course, we can decide not to get in the boat, but you know what I found? Even people who don't get in the boat have the storms. Even people who don't get in the boat have all the problems of life of those who do. The only difference is Jesus isn't in the boat with them. And ultimately, that path leads to death. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, right before they got into the boat, by the way, he says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few can find it. When I read that passage, it's a little bit scary to me. I ask myself, am I one of the few? Did I find it? Because I get this picture in my mind of like two roads. And one of them, you see people, you know, living a life that is totally self-centered. And they're eventually plunging off into a pit. And then you see kind of a little side road that's really hard to see, hard to find. But if you look closely enough, if you look hard enough, there it is. And you can choose that road. And that's the road to life. It's a conscious choice. It's really simple and yet so profound that the path to eternal life is to get into the boat with Jesus, to let him establish our priorities, to let him shape our character, to let him mold us into a person who reflects the light of the kingdom of God by self-sacrifice, by helping others, by returning hate with love, by overcoming evil at every opportunity, and overcoming all of the fears that capture us and destroy our effectiveness. I think fear is probably in the two top things that the enemy uses to cause us either to decide not to get into the boat or cause us to lose our faith and confidence in him once we're in the boat with him. It crouches in our hearts and slowly eats away at our confidence, our trust, our hope, until all of our ties to God are eaten away. By the way, the other is pride, but that's a topic for a different day. Fear that makes us think we are all by ourselves and we are failing. Fear of losing our economic security. Fear of illness. Fear of a vice that we cannot, be, we cannot find the power to resist. Fear of disgrace. Fear of people scorning us. Fear that we will lose friends. Nothing in this world can make us so conscious of the reality of powers opposed to God in our lives. We feel lonely, helpless, hopeless. Fear has struck our hearts, and the power of God has been rendered ineffective. 
I get this picture in my mind of being in the boat. And the storm comes. And here I am. And I'm trying. I'm rowing with all my might. I'm trying to keep the rudder straight. I'm trying to keep the head of the boat into the wind so that it won't be capsized. I'm trying to do everything right. And suddenly there's a presence in the boat. Fear has come into the boat. And I become paralyzed. I begin to give up. I begin to slack my pace. Fear is gripping my heart. The water is starting to run over the sides of the boat and the boat is about to capsize. But wait. There's another presence in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus, save me. Jesus, set me free. And Jesus awakens. And the fear has to shrink back. The fear has to move away. What are the fears? What are those fears that you were thinking about earlier? There's only one solution. Jesus is in the boat with you. Jesus is the one who can set you free and can take captivity captive, can take away that fear. So when we consider that we're going to lose the battle, when we consider that the storm in our life is going to suck us down into hopelessness or depression or even death, we need to remember there's only one place we can look. Let's hope Jesus is in the boat. But yet, even when there is Jesus, sometimes we're going through the storms, aren't we? In fact, often. Jesus, why aren't you helping me? Jesus, you see this problem that I'm in. Jesus, what are you? Are you asleep? Jesus, wake up! The storm is about to overtake me. And that's exactly the kind of fear that the disciples were gripped by. They believed that all was lost. There was nothing they could do. But there was the master, the one who got them into this mess in the first place, asleep in the boat. And they cried out to him, Jesus, wake up. We're perishing. Jesus, awake. The storm is upon me. I'm about to drown. I cannot resist any longer. The storm is taking me away. Jesus, if you don't wake up and do something, all is lost. The sin is dragging me under. The circumstances are overwhelming. The world is threatening to destroy my life. I think often of, of people who um, battle addiction and how difficult that often is. It's so you know, and, and addiction can come in so many forms. I mean, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, you're just talking about drugs, but I'm not. Addiction can be anything that begins to, you know, take a high, a too high of a priority in our lives. Anything that controls us. Honestly, in America today, eating is an addiction. There are so many people who can't control it. I mean, there are so many things in our lives that control it other than Jesus himself. And uh, these addictions are very, very hard to break. In fact, I would venture to say that in most situations, we won't break them without him. We need a power that is outside of ourselves. 
We need a power that is greater than we are. And that power is a name above all names. The name of the Savior and Lord of the world, Jesus Christ. We have to remember when we're in these storms that there's only one place where we can have the power and the victory to overcome. I remember, this was probably, I don't know, I don't want to say how many years ago, but my kids were pretty young. My sons were pretty young. They were like probably 8 and 10. We had a young man with us named Mike Visor, who was a teenager at the time. I can't remember if Ron and Nina were there or not, or Ron maybe was. But we were, we were out on Elephant Butte Lake. And we were up near the top of the lake fishing, and suddenly the wind started to come up. And before we knew it, it was blowing like a gale. And we were in the middle of nowhere. And the waves were getting higher and higher. And it was, they were starting to swamp the boat. We were in two boats, actually. And we got over as close to the shoreline as we could, but it didn't really help. I mean, the waves were there. My kids ducked under the bow of the boat, and they were just there, started praying. Mike Visor got under the, uh, the, the bow of the boat with them. He learned his prayer language that day. It was, um, it was an amazing time where we had to just fight that, uh, fight that storm, fight that storm, and call out to the Lord, and trust that somehow the Lord was going to get, through that, get us through that storm. And it didn't just, I mean, for Jesus, when the disciples were with him, it just calmed down just like that. For us, we fought that storm for a while before finally we, we got to a safe harbor. But uh, I was thinking about how these storms hit every one of us, and it's really how do we deal with them? How do we, how do we deal with the issues that go on? And so often... When things hit us, the first thing that comes into our minds is fear. We become afraid. What if? What if? We become worriers. What if? What if? And we begin to lose hope. And Jesus is right there asleep in the front of the boat, and it's like we've forgotten that he's there. And if we will remember, and if we will call upon him, I can't guarantee that it's going to still the storm immediately, but I can guarantee that if he is with you, the best possible result is going to come from that storm. And that result is going to be something that is going to be blessings beyond you yourself, beyond your own life. So sometimes it's really good for us to go through storms. Sometimes that's the only way our characters can be built. Sometimes it's the only way we can learn the lessons of life that help us and that help other people. In Romans 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. There is so much in this. There is so much because... First of all, we understand that fear is something that enslaves us. It's something that overpowers us. It's something that controls us. It's something that keeps us from being effective. It's something that keeps us 
from being all that we can be. So I ask again, what are the fears in your life? What are those things that are making it hard for you to advance? I see in my family fear of embarrassment every day. Maybe you deal with that as well. And um, I think about how, you know, embarrassment can be such a big problem for us because we're so concerned about what other people think. And yet God tells us, Paul told us, that we are not to be people pleasers, but to be God pleasers. That we have got to get beyond that and that we have got to quit focusing on what other people are going to think or react to the way we are, but rather we're going to seek to be empowered by God. Now, I get this picture in my mind of going into my place at work or your place at work or going to school if you're a student or um, maybe being at home or being amongst friends and being able to influence others. And the issue is always, are they going to influence me more than I'm going to influence them? If they're going to influence us more, then we are not, of course, being the salt and light that Jesus calls us to be. Instead, that whole situation, our environment, is controlling us. And the beauty of our relationship with Jesus, when we're in that boat with him, is he can speak to those fears, and he can calm those fears, and suddenly we can become effective. Suddenly we can have influence to change our environment. And we won't be so worried about how people react or how people respond, because after all, we're not accountable to them anyway. We're accountable to God himself. And we get to cry out to this God who is not some kind of um, slave master pouring, you know, peering down on us, waiting to destroy us or waiting to harm us. No, we call to him as our Father, Abba, Father, because of his great love for us, because of his great interest in seeing us fulfill all the plans that he had from us from before we were, the time we were even born. He wants, he wants to fulfill his plans in us. He wants us to be effective to draw people into his kingdom. He wants us to be effective to help those who are hurting and those who are in need. And he wants us to have an impact on our world for good, to push back evil, to push back fear, to push back hurt, and to push back pain, and to push back death. And only in that power, only in the Holy Spirit working within us, is that going to be accomplished. So you know in Ephesians, when Paul says to put on the whole armor of God, it is important for us to do that every day. God, I want your armor. God, I want your sword. God, I want your helmet. I want your belt of truth. God, I want to advance in your army. God, I want to get excited about what you are doing. And I want to get involved in what you are doing. And God, if, if I will trust in you, will you cast out that fear? God, if I, put, if I get in the boat with you, will you take away those things that are stopping me? 
God, will you really make me into more than I can be? And God's promise right here in these verses is yes. I will calm that storm. I will speak to the winds. I will speak to the waves. And I will put you on a smooth sea. And you are going to see how you're going to get to the other side, the place that I wanted you to go. And when you get there, suddenly you're going to find that there are a whole bunch of other people that have come with you because you've had that influence on them. Let's go back and recount. We must decide to get in the boat. Have you ever made the decision to get in the boat? If you haven't, you have the opportunity this morning. Getting in the boat, it seems simple, but it means that you're willing to trust Jesus to be your Lord. When we're in the boat, we must expect the storms to come. When they come, we have two choices. We can let the fear capsize our boat, or we can call upon Jesus. Jesus wants and expects us to cry out to him. Don't worry about whether he reminds you that you don't seem to have enough faith yet. Just call out. Jesus did not re reject his disciples, and he will not reject you. He will speak to that storm in your life. Peace, be still. Our joy, our attitude towards life, our witness, our effectiveness to share our testimony, all dependent on crying out to Jesus and keeping our focus on him. Who is this man that the wind and the seas obey? Who is he to you? Will, he, will you be as the teacher of the law with your own ideas of what God should be like and what he should do for you? Or will you be like the man who is caught up with the cares of the world and they're more important than Jesus? Or will you be his disciple and get into the boat with him knowing that he's going to work on your character, he's going to work on helping you to build your faith, he's going to change you into someone valuable, but there will be a price you will pay, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord Jesus. Now I'd like us to pray together, if, and I'd like the prayer ministers to come and the elders and deacons to come up and I, I want to just take a few minutes because, you know, fear is just such a powerful thing. Often we need others in the boat with us in order to overcome those fears. Often we need somebody who can pray with us, somebody who can stand with us, because there are so many things that are trying to destroy and trying to harm. If you would like prayer, I'd like you to just come right on up now and let's get in the boat with Jesus. And 
Um, I'd like everybody to bow their heads for a minute and let's just pray. Those who are coming, just come on up. For those who have never gotten in the boat, this is your opportunity. You can cry out to Jesus. You can say, Jesus, I have been in my own boat too long. Jesus, it's time for me to get into the boat with you. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to lead. Jesus, I ask that you will take me on that adventure that you have for me. You can come up and ask one of the elders or deacons or prayer ministers to pray with you if you wish. For the rest of us, we need to take an active step of getting into the boat. If you want to get into the boat with Jesus this morning, I ask you to stand. I ask you to confess to him those fears. I ask you to confess to him those misgivings. I ask you to confess to him those doubts. I ask you to confess to him those failures. I ask you to confess to him the pain, the suffering, the things that have held you back. Confess them to him. Lord Jesus, those who are standing here today and who have decided that they want to be in the boat with you, Lord, I ask that right now your Holy Spirit would fall. Your power would touch. Your strength would infill and that they would recognize that you are now in the boat with them. Father, we thank you that we can go through the storms of life, that we can go through all of the problems. And when you are in the boat, we will be victorious. The mountains will move, the seas will calm, and we will see the way through, and you will take us to the other side. Lord Jesus, we give ourselves to you once more. Now for everybody else, if you've gotten into the boat with Jesus, but there have been times perhaps when you stepped out of the boat, I'd like for you to just bring that before the Lord right now. Jesus, there have been times when I have tried to go my own way. There have been times when I have allowed fear to overtake me. There have been times when I have allowed others to influence me more than you. There have been times when I have given up. There have been times when I have felt hopeless or helpless. And I haven't placed my full trust in you. And Jesus, I, I confess that now and ask that you forgive and that you separate 
those things from me as far as the east is from the west. Lord, when you set your hands upon that cross and the nails were driven through your hands, you separated that sin from us eternally. So we're thankful for that. And Jesus, by your power, not by ours, we are back in the boat. Jesus, by your power and not by ours, we are looking forward to being fruitful and productive and accomplishing amazing things. Things that we know we can't do by ourselves. But Jesus, with you leading, we can do everything. Even more than you did yourself when you were on this earth, according to your word. Father, we open ourselves up to that this morning. And we say, Lord, fill me again with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your gifts. Lord, let prophecy flow. Lord, let healing flow. Lord, let miracles flow. Lord, let your power flow through me that I can be involved in transforming this world and causing your kingdom to come. Oh, Lord, I place myself in your hands again. Jesus, awake. Jesus, stir up. Jesus, speak to that storm in my life right now. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you bring such calm in the midst of the storm.